for example, if your library's promises were free, and then people come in and they think they're going to get their free thing, and you say, well, actually, you owe $2, or oh, sorry, you have a $20 balance, that's not free to them anymore. Hello, and thank you for joining us for FYI, the Public Library's podcast. I'm Kathleen Hughes, Manager of Publications with the Public Library Association. Want to help the uninsured members of your community help enroll in health insurance? PLA's Libraries Connecting You to Coverage initiative has a wealth of health insurance resources that address common coverage questions, plus training materials for library staff, communication assets, and more. Your staff will be more confident and prepared to assist patrons with enrolling in health insurance during the Affordable Care Act's open enrollment period. Libraries Connecting You to Coverage. Become a champion of coverage at your library. Visit ala.org slash PLA for more information. That's ala.org slash PLA. Our guest today is Cordelia Anderson. Cordelia is a marketing and communications consultant who primarily works with libraries as well as nonprofit and government entities. Prior to launching her consultancy, Cordelia served as Director of Marketing and Communications at Charlotte Mecklenburg Library for 10 years. Welcome, Cordelia. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in public libraries? I served as Director of Marketing and Communications for Charlotte Mecklenburg Library for 10 years. Prior to that, I worked at Charlotte Mecklenburg Library a different time, so I actually worked there twice, totaling about 15 years. In between that time, I also was Director of Marketing for a small private school as well as a tourism authority. And in all of those experiences, I felt were very complimentary. So when I came back to the library, I actually had lots of great ideas coming from the tourism industry as well as education that really aligned nicely with libraries. I was also very fortunate because Charlotte Mecklenburg is a very innovative library system. So I got a lot of wonderful experience doing all kinds of things from event promotion to crisis communications, really high profile events such as the Democratic National Convention and President Barack Obama coming to one of our facilities for a town hall, as well as a total rebranding and launch of our foundation and a big marketing campaign that came after that. So a lot of different things we got to try and had a lot of success in those areas. You mentioned that you worked at the library before you were the marketing director. What else did you do at the library? I was more of a PR person in my first role. So a lot of my job was writing newsletters, helping produce flyers, a lot of the activities that are very familiar in a library marketing department. So I, I was sort of starting from the ground up writing copy, compiling lists of events, and then helping to promote events. We were very programming focused during that that first span of time that I was at the library. But we also did open Imaginon, which is our big um, youth facility for ages 0 to 18. That was a combination children's theater library that garnered a lot of national attention. And so that was a big area of focus during my first time at the library. For many libraries, marketing may get pushed to the back burner. Can you talk about why marketing is important and what libraries can hope to achieve with a solid marketing plan? I think the biggest challenge that faces libraries today is the relevancy question. And it's probably one of the most uncomfortable things to talk about in libraries. It's not like they offer a class called Defending Your Profession 101 in library school, right? None of us go to school or join a profession because we want to spend the rest of our lives defending our profession's existence. It feels very uncomfortable and it feels very unfair because we know that the work that libraries do is very critical to our community, absolutely tied to the success of the organizations that we work with, of the people that we serve. But there is a perception that libraries are becoming obsolete and it's not true. 
but that doesn't matter. We still have to acknowledge that that perception is out there and we have to talk about it and we have to tell our story so that people understand how important libraries are. I always give the example of the cocktail party question that we all get. And this literally happened to me last week. I was at a networking event for women. Everybody was full of library love. And then I got the question that someone asked, which was, but how are libraries doing now that everything's available online? You know, and we all get this question. And we hate this question. Depending on what mood you're in, you could get really defensive or you may just kind of pass over the question. But we have to get really good at answering that question in libraries. And we have to become comfortable with the fact that people have questions, they are curious, and that once, you know, you get people engaged with the library and they see it firsthand, they won't have that question anymore. For some libraries that may not have staff to do marketing, do you have any ideas or suggestions how they could fit marketing in? I think this relevancy question and telling our story is going to be critical to the success of libraries in this century. We really need to advocate for those resources in libraries. We need those marketing departments. We need professionals to understand how PR and communications and marketing work so that they can do that hard work of telling the story. If you have lesser resources, I would say a real good area to focus on would be partnerships because partnerships can get you out into the community at a lower cost than, say, buying advertising or, you know, investing in a big content system, but also focusing on customers and word of mouth. So, you know, the more you're engaging with customers, the happier that your customers are with your library and with your services, the more they're going to talk that up to their friends and family. And that's free advertising. Can you share an example of how a library has shared its story? Obviously, I can give an example from Charlotte Mecklenburg because that's where I work. One way that we were able to really tell our story was through a partnership, and it was a very large partnership with our local school system. And what we were able to do through the very hard work of a bunch of our staff was to create a system where students' student ID numbers became library account numbers, and the students didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to fill out an application. Their parents didn't have to do anything. It was all handled at the administrative level between the library and school. And so that was a wonderful initiative because what it did was provided instant access for every single public school student in our community. And that's huge. You know, that helped lift a lot of barriers for kids who might not have made it into the library. And we also created special accounts for them so that they wouldn't accrue overdue fines, so they wouldn't lose access, because a lot of times people lose access because of overdue fines, which is a whole other pet peeve of mine. We did this great partnership, but then it's not enough to do the partnership. You have to tell people that you did it. And so we spent a lot of time and effort communicating about this wonderful partnership and about really what the impact was going to be for those students and then for the larger community and how that aligns with our community's priorities. You know, in Charlotte, the priorities are about economic mobility, about equity, and about third-grade reading. So these are three really important priorities that we were able to align with and then show how this partnership was actually helping to move the needle on all of these issues. And we work closely with the school system to communicate about this jointly because it was a win-win for both organizations. We also communicated very heavily with the actual parents of the kids because obviously if they don't know their kids have this wonderful access, they're not going to use it. So that was a really important component of that as well. And we were able to partner with the school system, for example, to send flyers home to 
all the kids. They had a digital flyer system, and we could send those home to the kids and their parents, letting them know about a different resource each month that they could try for free with this account. So when a library does enact a marketing effort, how can they measure the outcomes? So the first thing I always say is start with the end in mind. So what are you trying to achieve? And a hint that I will give is the end in mind is not, we wanted to do this. Well, actually, no. Uh, We want to start with the end in mind. So with the example of this wonderful school partnership we had, the end in mind was that we wanted students to have this access to improve their lives. That's what we wanted. And then you kind of move backward from that. So for the marketing side of things, what we wanted was usage. We wanted kids and families to use these accounts that we'd given them. And so that was a way to measure the success of the campaign. Moving back a step from that, we could do things like measure how many people viewed a certain email blast that we sent out and then how many people clicked on those links. That would tell us if our communications were effective because obviously if it's not well-written if it doesn't have a compelling subject line or a clear call to action, people aren't going to open it. They're not going to click on it. Start with the end in mind. You look at the big picture outcome you're trying to achieve, and then you take a step back, look at what can you measure that tells you whether you're making progress toward that goal, and then take another step back and look at how can you implement what you're doing in such a way to reach those measures. And then so you just work backwards, starting with that very big picture end all the way up to the very beginning of your plan and what are the activities, what are the tactics that you need to do to get to that point. For example, I am a John Cotton Dana juror and I've also judged some other awards. One of the things I'm looking for when they talk about their award entry is what is the problem that you were trying to solve? You know, what was the puzzle that you were putting together and what was the ultimate motivation for this marketing campaign? Not did we want a really pretty brochure, you know, the big picture outcome would be we wanted people to know about our library system and what we do so that they would better utilize our services or so that they would tell their friends and family. And that's really what it's about is what is your big picture goal. Let's move on to the library marketing funnel idea. Can you explain this idea to us? So this idea came to me back when I was working at Charlotte Mecklenburg. Again, I had a a great experience there, a great team, and I worked closely with a lot of people there. And I would also work the service desk. You know, I'd go out to a branch and work the service desk for a few hours just to see kind of the front lines of customer interactions. At the same time, I was also frequently talking with my peers at other libraries because a lot of us were struggling with the same challenges and problems. And one of the big things that we all kind of struggled with was how do we get new cardholders, how do we find people who are new to our community, for example, get them to sign up for a library card and then use it. Those were kind of the big picture challenges that we were facing. The more I thought about it, the more I thought about this classical idea of the marketing funnel, which is basically a very simple concept where you look at your total community of potential customers and then you dump them into the top of this funnel. In a well-functioning marketing funnel, what happens is as they move down, you interact with them at different stages, but hopefully as many people as possible come out the other end of that funnel as customers, as repeat customers, as loyal customers, and then hopefully as advocates as they move further down the funnel. As I looked at the numbers and I looked at the customer behavior patterns and things, I realized that we were just losing so many people out of this funnel, and I wanted to understand why. So I began to put together this concept of the funnel and the different stages of customer interaction where I think people drop off. One of them is 
I think at the very beginning is the sign-up experience for a library card. You want to ask yourself, is the process of signing up for a library card easy? Do we make it effortless for people? And the answer, more times than not, is no, we don't. Maybe you don't have an online process and you require people to come in, or maybe you have an online form, but they still have to wait for it to get mailed to them, or they have to come in and show ID or some proof of residency. That's a challenge for some people, especially in today's day and age where we're used to this sort of instant gratification. Even if you have a fully online form, you still want to ask yourself, how easy is it to use? How good is the functionality? You know, is it mobile responsive, et cetera? The next place where I think people can drop off is the onboarding process. So you want to make sure when you sign up a new customer, they have a lot to learn about your library. You probably offer a thousand different services and programs. There's no way they're going to know all of that. And and as we know from from tons of research, many people don't know all of the things that libraries offer. Onboarding is an important time with a new customer where you want to touch them at regular intervals with some kind of communication telling them about all of the different services you have to offer. And also welcoming them and making them feel a part of your library community. Unfortunately, if we don't have good onboarding, again, people might drop off whatever impulse they had to get a card kind of goes away and then they don't use it. And you can see these patterns happening when you look at cardholder attrition. It's unfortunate. The next issue I think where we lose people is availability. For example, I'm a big audiobook person. I like my digital audiobooks. I would say when I search the catalog of my local library, less than 50% of the books that I want are available on digital audiobook. And I know libraries' budgets are limited, but the The reality is that sometimes I will then go to Audible because I really want that book. And so if you have enough customers doing that, that's another place where they can drop off. And there's many other examples, but the big one I would like to talk about is fines and fees, which I know is a very controversial topic sometimes in libraries. If you really step back and look at the big picture with fines and fees, we spend a lot of time and effort collecting those fines and fees. And what happens is that we see some people who come into our library who pay our fines and fees, but the vast majority of people who have a a balance that is perhaps over the limit, we just never see again, and they never come back. And when you look at the revenue that you're earning through fines and fees versus the cost of losing all of those customers, not to mention all of the staff time to process those fines and fees, And then all of the time and energy you're spending trying to get people to sign up for library cards or come to programs and events, and then you turn around and tell them, oh, no, you can't use the library because you have fines. It just feels very counterintuitive to me that we want people to use the library, and then we turn around and tell them, no, you can't. I'm just trying to connect the idea of marketing to the idea of the reality of the library, I guess, because what you're talking about is the way the library is run can impact the marketing. If you really think about what is marketing, marketing is understanding people's wants and needs and designing services and programs to meet those needs. If you're making a promise, a marketing promise, and you're not fulfilling that promise, then you have broken the social contract with your customers. For example, if your library's promise is we're free, and then people come in and They think they're going to get their free thing, and you say, well, actually, you owe $2, or oh, sorry, you have a $20 balance. That's not free to them anymore. Or if you're making a promise that we're welcoming, for example, and people come into the library and they have an experience that doesn't feel welcoming, then your marketing is ineffective. If you're telling people we have great collections and databases, and then they log in and they try to access that, but their fine balance is too high and they can't get it, then you're not fulfilling your promise. So 
marketing is only half the equation. The other half of the equation is the customer experience. And I realize that the people in the marketing department don't necessarily control that. However, I think we can be influencers and lead through influence into other areas of the organization to help try to create policies and procedures and customer service approaches that match what we're promising people in our marketing. One I was thinking about the other day is actually our third-party online resources. So in many cases, most public libraries offer a lot of the same digital resources. And many times someone will go to your website to access that resource, but to actually get to it, they have to leave your website. Now, usually there's some sort of authentication process where someone might type in their library card number to get to that third-party website to access that service or that content. But if we aren't capturing that customer information, they may as well be traveling through a black hole because we don't know anything else about what they did after they went through. And why that matters is because we can't fully understand what a customer is using in terms of our services if we don't know. And they may never come back to us again, and we may not know why. So in some cases, they may just bookmark that third-party service and then keep using it. But their relationship with the rest of the library and all the other wonderful services and programs that we offer is lost. So I think a really important hole that we could plug in that that particular hole of the funnel would be to capture that data. So you can work with your vendors to have them give you uh, data logs of people's library card numbers who've accessed those services. You can ask them for statistics on how many people are using them, all kinds of things. You can look at how you're authenticating it through the website. And even just paying attention to your website analytics to see when people click through to these third-party sites, are they showing up as a bounce, which means someone leaving your site and you don't know where they went? Or are you coding it in such a way that that counts as someone using a service? It's important because you can't know where you're going, you know, if you don't have any way to measure that. I think for most libraries, the strategic goal is to grow their customer base and grow usage and services. But if they have no way to track that, they don't know if they're growing or shrinking. How do you make intelligent decisions about how to invest your collection budget, for example, if you don't know how many of your customers are using this or that service? So I think that's a really important hole that we need to plug in the funnel. We talked earlier about the poor experience, too. I mean, you could have the best staff in the world, but a poor experience could even be something like they show up at the library, it's closed, and they didn't know. And that goes back to communication or signage or having convenient hours and locations and communicating what those are. Another poor experience could be, like I said, walking up to a desk thinking you're going to get a book, and suddenly you have to pay a fine that you didn't even know that you had. And then it could be other things, too, like having a welcoming facility. Walk around your branch with fresh eyes, or better yet, invite a friend or a family member to come and walk around and look at the surroundings, look at the signs, look at how things are configured, how the staff are greeting people, just to say, how would I feel as a customer coming in here and would I want to come back and would I want to advocate and evangelize about this service? It's the people that you never see again that are the ones that you really lose. You know, the person who comes in and complains, that at least that person is still engaging with you, but there are many people who just never come back and you don't know that they had a bad experience. And that's a lost opportunity for the library as well as for that person. How can a library go about determining where these holes are and identifying the weak spots? Every library is structured differently and resourced 
differently, but I think you need at least one person who wakes up every day and thinks about the customer experience. You know, whether that's a part of someone's job description and maybe they do other things or some libraries actually have like a chief experience officer or that type of position that that does that every day. But I think it's really a strategic mindset shift. Put the customer at the center of everything that we do. And by the customer, I also mean the community. I also mean potential customers. But really focusing on who we serve and putting that at the center. We all like to think that that is how we're running our libraries, but there may be instances where we just lose sight of the forest or the trees. Repositioning that customer at the center of everything we do is a great first step. Inviting people to give you feedback is so important because we don't see it anymore when we walk through the doors every day because we work at a, at a library or whatever. We don't see the signs anymore. We don't see the out-of-date information that's on the bulletin board or we don't see the frowning staff member, you know, or whatever that issue might be. So we need somebody who can help us look at that with fresh eyes and to navigate all of the different things that a customer might experience. I also think, and a lot of libraries probably do this already, but having your top leadership go and work the service desk is huge because then they see what the frontline staff see as barriers. They also will see best practices maybe at one branch and they can help spread that around to other locations, for example. That's really important because you've got to see that face-to-face customer reaction and what are some of the challenges that are faced by customers and by staff. And to just continually looking at those things and trying to get to the bottom of why did people walk away? Why did people not get a card? Why did people engage with us for a little while and then disappear? Well, this has been really interesting and informative. Thank you for the great advice. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we end? One of the best resources that we have in libraries is each other. So I would encourage people to reach out to other libraries that they admire for ideas, advice, et cetera. There are some really great ways in the industry that people who care about marketing and communications, people who care about customer experience, branding, all of that can connect things like library marketing and communications conference, things like the ULC communications group or PR directors group, I think it's called, meetups at the conferences, things like that. Those are great ways to share ideas. I'm always available if people want to reach out to me. I have a website, CordeliaAndersonAPR.com. You know, I'm always interested in people's experiences or questions or thoughts. If you try to attack all of it at once, it's going to feel very overwhelming. Even one barrier that you can remove could have a huge impact. That is a step in the right direction. Thank you, Cordelia. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to FYI, the Public Libraries podcast. Visit www.publiclibrariesonline.org to hear more great podcasts.